Sports Studios. You'd rather be here. And now, from the Lithia Body and Paint Sports Desk, powered by BMW of Des Moines, this is an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Iowa State redshirt sophomore wide receiver Josh Johnson has entered the NCAA transfer portal, according to Alex Halstead of CycloneAlert.com. The Iowa Wild continue preparations for their debut in the Calder Cup playoffs as they'll host Milwaukee on Easter Sunday. Puck drops at 4 o'clock. You can hear the game right here on 1460 KXNO. In the Stanley Cup playoffs, the St. Louis Blues came back from a 2-0 deficit to beat the Jets. Can't clear it. Bozak in front. They score! Schwartz tipped it in! I do not believe it! Schwartz has given the Blues with 15 seconds to go! A 3-2 lead! This is crazy! Blues lead the series three games to two. Game six Saturday in St. Louis. To baseball, Jorge Soler gives the lead to the Royals. Into left field, hooking into the corner, and gone! The call from Fox Sports Kansas City. Royals win 6-1 over the Yankees. Coming up today, 121st pitch for the Cubs and the Diamondbacks. Kyle Hendricks on the bump for Chicago. The Twins travel to Baltimore for a three-game series. Kansas City game two at the Yankees tonight. 6.05 first pitch. The White Sox are in Detroit. The Brewers host the Dodgers and the Cardinals at home against the Mets. Adam Wainwright takes the mound for the Cardinals. Hear the game right here on KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more from 1460 KXNO. Our number two, Miller and Connick continues. Emery Songer over there. Trent Condon here. As we talk the world of sports with you, with you for another hour, take it up until noon. Of course, Murph and Andy comes your way 2 o'clock in the Sports Fanatics from 4 before, well, our local programming finishes for the weekend. Back at it Monday with the morning rush at 6 a.m. I do have to say, today's call-up, 6 p.m. this evening. Yeah, Talk a little baseball, and then that'll lead right into Cardinals pregame, so... Cardinals-Mets tonight. Hear all about Jason Vargas getting it done this evening. Yeah. Need to open up the Conda Casino because start taking your wagers over there. I'm I'm just saying. I I'm feeling. I'm not. He's not a very good pitcher, right? But I don't have all the faith in the world in Adam Wainwright either. Probably shouldn't. Yeah. In in baseball, at this point of the season, I mean, we we get to some tipping points where teams are just kind of bouncing around, trying to figure themselves out. And I just uh, like for no real scientific reason, because baseball is baseball. I think it's the Mets' night tonight, man. Yeah, they're due. They're due. They're due to get, grab a dub. That National League East is going to be a fun race all season long. I, we talked about it yesterday, yeah. man. Literally all three of the divisions in the National League I'm interested in. If Colorado can pick it up a little bit in the National yeah. League West. So Dahl got uh, activated from the DL last night, one of their young outfield sluggers, yeah. who will put together probably a, a real nice season. That team, you know, great, good pitcher. They got some pieces there. You know, The thing that Colorado has really figured out is the kind of pitcher that you need in that ballpark. And... They went out years ago and brought in what Daryl Kyle. They spent a ton on and a few mm. other guys and just never Denny Nagel. Remember his curveball wouldn't work in the in the uh, altitude out yeah. in Colorado. They figured that out. You need sinker ball pitchers. You need guys that are going to force it to put it into the ground. But it should be a good race. The Padres are are hanging around and off to a better start than I think a lot of people anticipated. Yeah, with and, you could, and company. And you could say the Diamondbacks have done that to an extent too. If they finish anywhere close to 500 this yeah. season, that's a miraculous finish they gave up for them a lot because they they yeah. they're they're ready to for the tear down rebuild mm-hmm. thing now. But you know, speaking but, of that, 
Oh. We we were talking yesterday about the Brewers and needing starting pitching. Yeah. How about Zach Greinke? Okay, so on the call-up before the season started, yeah, I said there is a number one target Yeah, already, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. He's worth a lot of money, yes. but the Diamondbacks could get a lot from him because there's still some control there. Mm-hmm. He hasn't fallen off that much right. at all since they, they signed him. He had a bad year, but he's still a really good pitcher, and he's doing nothing for them, right? You could get a Chris Sale-like, not necessarily exactly what the White Sox got for Chris Sale, but because there's still three years left on, on this contract for Grinky, there is a realistic possibility, as far as I'm concerned, that it would be worth it if I'm, you know, the I said the Cubs were the team that, before the season, I thought, they're going to need a guy because I have no faith in you, Darvish, for a full season. Oh, you looked okay as last time. Yeah, he did. But Eight strikeouts he, before walk. He looked fine. For a month last year, too. Yes. And I would say that unequivocally he had a terrible season, a disastrous season on multiple fronts last year. So it's still early there, Trent. I, I have more faith in Granky than I do four of their five starters. But this is this is where it comes in interesting. The Brewers would also be a great fit for Zach Granky. I, I think a better fit. And th- well, it would be a better fit for Arizona because I think you could get more useful young parts yes. the, from the Brewers the than Brewers you could from the Cubs. The system is still in, and we've seen some of these young guys start to come up, but they are still completely stacked up. You know, the job that they have done there and they went out and and hired their young GM and I can't think of his name now. It, it bothers me. I can't think of it, but 4 years ago he got the job and it was a complete teardown. This is when you are a small market or even a mid-market team... David Stearns. David Stearns. These are the things that you have to do. You have to completely rebuild. You have to sell off any piece that has any value at all. Take a lot of shots in the draft. Build up that farm system. Then it comes to fruition. We saw Kansas City do it Kansas five City, years ago. Washington just before that. Yep. In more recent times, it was the Cubs. It was the Astros. White Sox. The Reds. The I mean, the, the Braves are reaping benefits real early in their yes. teardown process. Yep. That's just the way you got to do it. Yep. With the way that the system works, that is the way that you have to do it. Even the Yankees did this, and it was at a different level. But they did it, and they missed the playoffs for multiple years. Yes. Which With Chapman, they traded away, and they got, got him back. Torres and, yeah, and, and they got they him back. back yeah, because of the Yankees. But the, the Cubs would still do that again because they got him a World Series. Right, absolutely. So, yeah, very interesting baseball coming up uh, weekend. I'm going to be watching, I'm sure, I, I'll be watching my Twins that mm. play Baltimore. Baltimore better than anticipated at this point. I, I'm i surprised. They don't look as hapless as no. you would think a team. You want to talk about a complete teardown. Yes. That team is in the midst of a gigantic teardown. And that roster, but they still look competitive despite having maybe two legitimate major league position players. I, I was looking through a lineup the other day. I, oh, it was, uh, it was on Monday when they played Patriots Day against the Red Sox. The early start, I looked at the starting lineup before we went on the air. I knew two guys. I knew two guys. Chris Davis, who everybody should know. Because everybody knows now for the wrong reasons, yeah. Um, and what is it, Mancini? He's been an outfielder there for a couple yeah. of years. That was it. Trey Mancini. I knew two. Okay. Now, see, they're 8-10 and 10, or 8-12. and 12. They're not, they're not no, bad. No. They're, they're, not hor- they're going to end up very bad. Right. But any useful part that they have that a team is willing to pay for, they're going to move for that. But here, here's, here's the team, right? The Seattle Mariners. Yeah. All right. They're, they Hot are start. They're fourteen and six, right? And I'm not saying they're going to hang around, but have you have you seen their roster? Their their outfield, Domingo Santana, who, uh, he was the fourth outfielder in Milwaukee last year. He's mm-hmm. a good player. Yep. 
Malik Smith is in center and Mitch Hanniger is in right. Hanniger is an underrated player. Hanniger's a good player. Got him in fantasy. Like all, right, all right. Ryan Healy's at third base. Tim Beckham's at shortstop. D. Gordon's back at second with Edwin Encarnacion and Jay Bruce between first base and DHing. They're names that you know, but guys that I think overall. You the, just don't pay attention to now. Yeah. They, right? They like, were big prospects. A lot of those names were big time prospects coming up. And never really panned out. You know, and, and Encarnacion and Jay Bruce, are, and to a lesser extent, D. Gordon on the downside mm-hmm. of their career. Omar Narvaez is their catcher, by the way. But it's the pitching staff. When you look at the pitching staff, you're just kind of like, who are these guys? Yeah. Marco Gonzalez, UC Kikuchi, Mike Leak, who we know, but he's, I mean, yeah. he's irrelevant, right? Felix Hernandez is literally like holding on by a, a thread mm-hmm. to the major league level. And then the relief, the relievers. Anthony Swarzak's the closer, Trent. <laughs> Ronis, I, I know Anthony Swarzak. I've seen his song and dance, and it's not Yeah, good. right. The relievers before him, Zach Roskup, Corey Gearin, Connor Sadzek, Brandon Brennan, which is a great name, by the way, <laughs> and Ronis Elias. That's their relievers. Elias is good. He's, I'm not saying these guys aren't good. It's just like, yeah. who are these guys? This is a 14-6 and six team. So you're, you're not seeing staying power? You don't see them challenging Houston for the division? Okay, Gene Segura was on their team last yeah, year. Yeah. Robinson Cano, before he got suspended, was on their team last year. I mean, they had a lot more dudes last year. You know, they had James Paxton last year. Mm-hmm. They had dudes last year. And now they got off to the best start in franchise history with this ragtag bunch? Wow. Without looking. You know who's tied for first in the National League Central with the Brewers? Pirates. Isn't that nuts? I th- I think they're good. The, every year, you look at the parts, eh, just ho-hum. Well, I mean, they went through a playoff trial that was like 20 years long. Yeah. So, I mean. And, but they bounced back. And what, they made it like three, four times probably yeah, over the yeah. last Yeah, them, them and Baltimore both just kind of sneakily yeah. got to the playoffs and had nice little runs there. Yep. Now, now I'm interested in them because I, I picked the Cubs to finish fourth in the National League Central. You did. I'm a White Sox fan, so everybody's just like, you're a White Sox, or you're uh, a Cubs hater. You're here a Cubs hater. Yep, yep. I'm not a Cubs hater, right? I was actually kind of happy to see them win one. My dad's a Cubs fan. Mm-hmm. It's good to see him win one. My grandpa never got a chance to see him win one, right? And he was a Cubs fan his whole life. Mm-hmm. I I understand 108 years is redonkulous to go without winning a major title. Okay? I understand that. You were due. That's great. But you look at teams like Milwaukee. Yes. And St. Louis. Pick, that, that was my pick before the year. Me too. St. Louis. Improved. I, I loved what they did in the offseason. Much improved, right? You f- figure Ozuna's going to have a bounce back year. Absolutely. He's, he's showing pop this and year. And you got Goldschmidt. Yes. It, that's an improvement. They got they got almost too many hitters. Tommy they, they, Pham, finally, is it going to come on for him? The, the, this, this, or, uh, Kelton, uh, Colton Wong. To Colton Wong, yeah. yeah. Pham's down in Tampa. Yeah. But like the, the, the general, like all of their hitters, you could move one or two guys mm-hmm. somewhere else to address what you think is a significant need and still be good. Yeah. So they're in good shape. I think Cincinnati is a wild card team. Not a wild card playoff team, but like a wild card is in like, I'm not sure what's going to happen because they seem to have enough parts to be spoilers. Mm-hmm. They could go 81 and 81, and it wouldn't shock me. Eugenio Suarez, when they get Scooter Jeanette back, like your lineup has Joey Votto, Scooter Jeanette, Eugenio Suarez, who was in the top six in RBIs last year. They have guys that can swing the bat. Yo, Yasiel Puig's on the team now, right? Like, they, Cedar Rapids kid, Shepler? Yeah. That would, Who's got pop? And, but, and That's then you, about it. The, but. the pitching staff is a little bit of a, a makeshift pitching staff, but they, st- I still like a lot of what they did. And Pittsburgh, the parts, as you said, 
look kind of eh, but I wouldn't be shocked to see them at 500 by the end of the season. When you look at the Cleveland Indians, we talked about this yesterday, the Indians are, get a beat up on the White Sox, the Royals, the Tigers, and to a lesser extent, the Twins, 19 games a year, all of them, those, right? Those bottom three teams, if, 57 times you get if, to play if you, if you go 12-7 and seven against all those teams, you're winning 90 games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it, just the law of averages, right? Mm-hmm. In the way the baseball works in your schedule. Well, in the National League East, except for Miami, mm-hmm. and then the entire National League Central, you don't have that rollover team. Yeah, if Cincinnati bounces back and they're off to a slow start, but if they become at least a, a 500-ish type team, you don't have an easy day. And there's not, you know, we, we can go on a run here. We can win eight out of ten. There aren't there, those kind of runs there, in there? There isn't that in there. If you find a way to do that by playing divisional opponents, then I'll change my tune altogether and you are a favorite. Be- so does... 90 win the National League Central, 90 wins, 92. Nine, have I, 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 think, I think we're going to see some good records there. I, I think the last place team will be around 75, yeah. which is pretty high for a last place mm-hmm. team in a division in Major League Baseball. And that very well could be Cincinnati. I had them finishing uh, I, I had them finishing closer to 500, but it wouldn't shock me to see them after the slow start be around that 74-75 window. I would say 92 is probably about the right number. Yeah. But I think there could be four teams with winning records in that division. And I'm still, I think, most confident in Milwaukee to get to that 92 level. And I know that now that they're going to do what it takes to address a need. Yeah. We weren't sure before. Yep. After watching what they did last year and they put money into it, they, they went out and bought guys actively. They were in the Machado sweepstakes at the trade deadline. They went out and got Travis Shaw. It, you know, they, they will do things, and they they grabbed Jonathan Scope last year, who didn't do much for no, him. Did. But but you had you, you acquired plenty of talent, and then they did some work in the offseason, letting Santana go, which was was it's, I'm sure hard. But where are you going to put him? We got Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, Ryan Braun. We don't have room for Domingo Santana, right? Mm-hmm. That's not a bad problem to have when no. those are my three outfielders. You know, Jesus Aguilar had a huge year last year. They're one one or two arms away, Trent, from me saying they are significantly the favorite, not only in the National League, Central. I would put them at the top of the National League. You know, and it's funny, Eric Thames came onto the scene a couple years ago after he made his way back over from playing in Asia. And just raked. And, and he doesn't really see at-bats very often. No, I mean, they don't have a spot for him. And that's the thing with Santana as well last year. It's just like, you have major league caliber hitters that can make a big difference on a roster who's competitive but you just don't have a spot to put them. That's why Travis Shaw is playing second base sometimes. When they signed Moustakis, Shaw had to move from his natural third base, play some second, over to third a little bit, or over to first a little bit. They had, And Craig Council does a great job of just yeah. manipulating his defense and shifts and putting them in the right spot so they don't have to have crazy great plays. But when Orlando Arce is not hitting very well, Travis Shaw might play some shortstop yeah. to, to make sure that Moustakis and you know the rest of the infield get what they need in terms of at-bats and to try to generate runs because with their pitching staff, you're going to want to have four, five, six runs a game. So, Emery, with that good baseball talk, we're going to shift our conversation, though, away from baseball. Okay, I can do that. We're going to talk gambling. I, 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 You know me. We're going to go to Vegas. We're going Vegas next. Chris Andrews is going to join us from the South Point Casino. He's a sportsbook director there. Also hear him on VEASAN, Brett Musburger and the crew doing great work out there talking sports wagering. He's going to be our guest coming up next. Before we get to that, though, it is time once again for Go For the Green, presented by EKG Golf and 1460 KXNO. Just text to 200-200 the keyword. Hockey, H-O-C-K-E-Y, hockey. Hockey, the keyword, 200-200 right now. Get yourself entered in a chance to win $1,000 cash 
for BKG Golf and 1460 KXNO. That keyword hockey to 200-200. Standard message and data rates apply. Coming back, we're talking sports gambling next. Chris Andrews joins us as we continue on 14... Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Played an old uh, favorite... In fact, the favorite song of Ken is he is in Vegas right now. Oh. Yeah. Do I get a favorite? What, what's your tunage? What oh, do you like? Well, I like a lot of stuff, but you're talking about like what I'm jamming on yeah, right now? Yeah. I love Rush, man. Rush? Yeah. I would never would have guessed that. I love Rush. You love Rush? I used to love Rush. I, I think it got overplayed for a while when I was listening to the old rock station back home. Yeah, and, and I got burnt out. And that can kind of happen, but you just got to go find those deep cuts, Trent. Yeah. Because, because you're missing out. I'm 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 jamming on Vital Signs is my favorite song right now. Okay, I got. So you. if you can find some Vital Signs, Rush. I'll see, I'll see I, what we got in the uh, bank here. Ooh, coming back. But before we do that, right now we got Chris Andrews. Chris Andrews from the South Point Casino. He's a sports book director there and a great friend. Chris, are you a Rush fan? That that's back in your era. It, it is back in my era. You know, Trent. I probably feel the same as you. I really liked them for a long, long time, and I kind of said, well. I think I've heard all they have to say. So uh, <laughs> I've, I've moved on. Let's, uh, I haven't moved on that far. I still listen to a lot of Led Zeppelin and Beatles, so let's not go crazy. No, no, not not a bad place at all. Emery, he, he's a little bit younger, so he, it's not too much for him at this point. You no. just wait a few years, Emery. I, I just kind of turn it on and off, you know, like like whenever whenever I want. It's just like, you know, I think I'm going to listen to something else now. There's nothing wrong with that. But then like a day later, I'm just like, man, I want to listen to some Rush. It's it's a great... Reader I that we're a girl in. a little younger than me, and she still is a huge Rush fan, so she's probably applied to that. Hey, you, you probably don't know this. Getty Lee, lead singer of Rush, crazy big baseball fan. Really? Like, okay. incredible. Oh, okay. when, you, when you go to, the can- to Kansas City next yeah. time, and you go to Negro League Baseball Museum, uh-huh. at the end of the museum is the Getty Lee Baseball Collection. It's a bunch of signed baseballs wow. from Negro League stars in a big case, donated by Getty Lee, lead singer of Rush. Learn That's something cool. new Very every day. Cool. Yeah, I saw him on TV watching a Blue Jays game on MLB.tv yeah. like last year. Yeah. He's keeping score behind home plate. Look at that. <laughs> he's diehard. Well, he, he loves his baseball. I love my gambling. I love talking with Chris mm, Andrews about yes. it. Chris, uh, here in the state of Iowa, we are getting ever so close. I know you guys in Vegas have been keeping your eye on all the different states as laws have been passed and been enacted. So I, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the proposed bill that got passed to the House and uh, is now another step away from becoming legalized here in Iowa. What did you think when you saw the way that Iowa had it put together, if you saw much? Well, you know, Trent, I've seen, I've met with legislators from all over the country, and, uh, you know, you try to talk a little sense into them, <laughs> and uh, you know the way these lawyers and legislators are. They don't want to hear a damn thing. You know, they got all the answers, you know, and they want to change almost everything that you tell them. Well, Iowa really didn't do that. From what I could see, Iowa produced a very, very good bill. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I haven't gone through the whole thing. But from what I have seen, it seems just a very, um, how would you say, like just very conducive to do a lot of good business in Iowa. And, Trent, you and I have laughed. What if I doing your show for seven, eight years, something like that? I've always said Iowa's the sleeper out there. (laughs) And, uh, unfortunately, a lot of other guys kind of caught on to it. (laughs) But I keep kidding some of these guys. You know, we were first. I don't care what anybody else says. Yes. We were first. And, uh, well, I'm not sure we have a deal ready to announce yet or anything like that. But I think we're in pretty good shape in Iowa. 
you know, hopefully you'll see us uh, open our doors by football season. I think there's a reasonable chance of that happening. So uh, I'm very excited, I can tell you that. Uh, I haven't been to Iowa much, but uh, just one of those kind of underrated states. Really, it's a pretty state and a lot of nice people, and uh, you're in the middle of a lot of, uh, you know, other metropolitan areas, and I think Iowa will do very well with all that. Yeah, we we got, of course, the border towns on on each side of the river, and and then, of course, right here, a smack dab in the middle. We're excited for it, and it's getting ever so close. Doesn't sound like it's going to be screwed up next week at the next step, and then just off to Governor Reynolds to sign off on it, and before football season, we'll be legally being able to gamble on things here in Iowa, which is a good thing. Emery, take it away. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I noticed, Chris, when this was happening, first of all, the national scene and you know this better than anybody this is the national coverage of sports betting you know just like with each of the major sports networks on television radio there is typically some time dedicated now to sports gambling and then with the supreme court ruling that you can't outlaw it as a federal law and now each state finding their own ways to legalize it and and regulate it you you talked about iowa kind of being a sleeper pick and you talk about the the just the geography of us in the middle of a lot of different things well from my vantage point as somebody who does enjoy to partake in in some of the activities that we are talking about i i find it very intriguing that there are so many people who are against it you've probably heard a lot of different arguments against it now it seems like we're going to be passing it but it it took a little bit longer than i think we thought it was going to the casinos here have already been ready for months now just waiting on the go ahead with this bill uh what are some of the better reasons you've heard of people saying why sports betting should kind of stay on the back burner or stay in general geographical areas for people to do legally well you know it's one of those things where i've always been kind of politically oriented from the time i was a teenager and i just um I followed uh, you know, politics really throughout the country, and, and I, I don't want to get too far into it right now because I know it might alienate some people. But there's like a Puritan strain that runs through the American political system. And really, uh, around the world, a lot of people look at it and say, you know, and I'm talking about Western civilization, you know, they look at it and say, what are you guys doing? Why, <clears throat> you know, why is this illegal? Why is this? And I tell me, I honestly don't know, except it's like really kind of a hangover from the, you know, from like the 1600s, to be honest with you. And again, not to get too political, but I have followers from around the world, including, you know, Australia, New Zealand, and, and Ireland, and uh, England, and all throughout Europe. I'm talking about on Twitter. And they always ask me, so how can it be that, you know, you could go down to the corner store and buy a gun? But you can't go down to the corner store and make a bet. You know, I said, well, you know, I honestly don't know. I, I don't know that I could tell you that. You know, but I think, I think it's just been a, I'd hate to say we're moving forward. I mean, it's been like four or 500 years, you know, but it's about time we did move forward. And I think people were just being practical in some sense, too. We see it with marijuana laws, see it now with, uh, you know, the, some of the betting laws. These are markets that aren't like, they don't need artificially constructed. They're, they are there already, you know, and why not have them where, um, you know, there's some taxation and it's not, you're not going to make a fortune off this, but still it's good for the economy. It's, uh, you know, provides jobs, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We could drill all the way down. There's a lot of benefits to it. 
And like I said, it's already there. You don't have to uh, all of a sudden create this new market. It's it's right in front of our eyes, and all we have to do is capitalize on it. And uh, and a lot of states are screwing it up, to be honest with you, but I don't think Iowa's one of them. I think they've done it right. We're uh, certainly happy about that. Chris Anders joining us, South Point Casino. He's a sportsbook director there, the VEASAN Studios with Brent Musburger and his great group right inside the sportsbook there. Always enjoy my time at the South Point. And uh, last time I was out there, I got to go on VEASAN. And a big thank you to Chris for that. So, Chris, as you guys are, are ramping up here, it's baseball. One of the biggest things, and I think the first time, actually, we had a conversation is when you're in Reno and you put together your win totals for college football. I know they're not officially out as of yet. At least I don't believe that they are. I'm throwing you a curveball here, though. But if you had to put a number out for the Hawkeyes, you had to put a number out for Iowa State, your bosses, you know, Mr. Gong says, right now, I need the number for the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones win total. Where would you put it at, sight unseen? You know, it's really kind of weird this year, and it seems to be changing in the last few years. But you have that transfer window right now. Yeah. And there's a lot going on. And, you know, we, we tend to hear about the quarterbacks, uh, but there's also a lot of stuff going on. You know, maybe let's call it some of the lesser-known positions, you know, offensively, uh, defensively. So there's some stuff going on that I'm, you know, I don't think anybody's prepared for, to be honest with you yet. But just off the top of my head, I'd have to put the uh, Hawkeyes about eight and a half. Mm-hmm. And Cyclones about seven and a half. But, you know, that, that, that could change dramatically in the next couple weeks. That is about where I expected them to be. In fact, Emery and myself had that conversation. We put the number at eight and a half for the Hawkeyes, and I think that's right on for the Cyclones, too. You don't have to adjust them. You already got two figured out. Now you just got 124 <laughs> to go. Yeah, that's all. Okay, <laughs> two, are in the, two are in the bank. I don't have to worry about those two. You're in good shape, Chris. Yeah, uh, when you, I just always find this interesting. As a big horse racing player, I always try to get in the mind of a morning line odds maker because they take no information whatsoever and are throwing out, you know, where they think the best horses should be and everything. But to a certain extent, it's even more scientific when you're throwing these over unders or a spread on games because you're just trying to find a way to get 50 50 betting on either side of a line. What kind of, goes through the mind especially in a preseason when you talk about these over-unders because you don't want to put out a number that you think people are going to lean too heavily one way or the other what are the things that you keep in consideration when you make those determinations well first of all let me correct you on one thing and that's really kind of uh what's what's gone out into the uh you know atmosphere here that we want 50 50 bets on each side that that's really not true what we really want to do is have a number that it gives us a 50-50 chance of winning on either side. Right. Okay. Now, if they bet us on one side or they bet us on another, that's just the way it goes. But we still feel we have a 50-50 shot of winning that bet no matter which side we get on. Now, it's it's really, um, you know, football's kind of a crazy thing. You know, it's you have a very, very small statistical sample. You know, what a team scheduled for 12 games and you might play a championship in a bowl game. Or might get up to 14. Well, I mean, if you were doing like medical research or something like that and you had like a 14 game sample, you'd say, wow, I can't make a conclusion out of this. You know, but nonetheless, and by the way, nobody's waiting until game 13 to make their first bet either. You know, they're starting with game one. So you just kind of take your best shot. You take who, uh, 
you know, the value of the team that, that they were last year and you see who's coming back this year. Are they going to improve in a certain position? Are they not going to improve in a certain position? They're going downhill, uphill. A lot of coaching changes, really one of those things that we've seen more and more of in probably the last decade or even the last five years. You know, so like there's so many changes and so many moving parts. So we just try to take our best shot and go from there. But uh, it's, you know, we try to make it as scientific and objective as possible, but that's almost impossible. We just at some point have to put together what we know and go from there. Chris, I had a question back to here, the wagering here in the state. I know Prairie Meadows has a deal in place already with Willing Hill. You guys are working to hopefully get a connection here in the state of Iowa. All right, you, you have your guys' spread. You, you got the big board there out at the South Point. Iowa is a three-and-a-half-point favorite against Iowa State. But here in the state, no, not even that way. Let's say Iowa's a three-and-a-half-point favorite against Purdue. But here in Iowa, where you expect more Iowa money in, will the lines be different if you guys set a line there in Vegas? Will that spread just what you guys have, say, inside your sports book, Or could the line be different here in Iowa just because you anticipate getting more Iowa money, getting more Iowa State money, whatever it may be? It will be different, and a lot of that has to do with the Wire Act, okay. which came into effect in the 60s, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to keep each pool separate, so you have to book them separate. And <laughs> let's say we're in you know, Casino X. You know, they don't want to hear, well, I've had you know, somebody bet me 10000 on Purdue at, at my place in uh you know, in Las Vegas, they said, well, you know, they bet me 10000 the other way here. We want to balance that book. So, yeah, you're going to see that. We, You have to remember we're going to be um, uh, essentially employees in a way or management council, I guess, depending on how we get to, to the final la- language of it, of whatever host casino we're talking about. So we have to, you know, do business according to the way the – that their business indicates, you know, they don't, they really don't care what we're doing in Las Vegas, nor, nor should they. But like I said, we cannot commingle funds at this point. Um, I don't know if that'll ever change in my lifetime. It might, I'm not really all that optimistic. And to tell you the truth, I really don't care that much. <laughs> you know, if, if, as long as we're up and open and, uh, you know, writing business out of Iowa, we'll, we'll be fine. You know, mm-hmm. and if we get flooded on one side or another, you're not going to see anything too crazy. Just the world doesn't work that way anymore, Trent. It maybe did 30, 40 years ago, but it doesn't work that way anymore. Too many guys know the right line. And uh, even though, yeah, obviously now we're going to be legal in the state of Iowa, it's not like nobody in Iowa has made a bet in the last 40, 50 years. You know, so I feel like you're talking to me, Chris. I feel like you're talking to uh, me. I was not going to point fingers or name <laughs> names, my friend. Uh, uh. But, but people know what the right line is. And, yep. yeah, you might lay – four on a game that's three and a half elsewhere, but you're not going to lay four on a game to pick them somewhere else. Right. You know, so that's just, uh, you know, obviously that'll be part of the shakeout as we uh, grow this industry. Well, Chris, uh, our conversations, I always enjoy them so much. My partner, Ken Miller, is out in Vegas right now. Hope you guys can uh, meet up, if not this time, the next time he's out there. And I'll be uh, darkening your doorstep here pretty soon. I I need to make a return trip to Vegas pretty soon. Well, Trent, like I said, the rooms are on me. The gambling and drinking, you're on your own. But the rooms are on me when you come out this way. So just let me know, pal. I'd love to have you again. That, that's how you always get me. I, I know. <laughs> it, it always comes full circle. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Chris it's Andrews with the sports book and the director at the South Point Casino in Vegas. Emery, have you been to Vegas? Oh, yeah. 
Plenty of times? Uh, just really once. Just So where'd you stay when you were there? The Flamingo. The Flamingo, that's where we used to stay. Uh, back in college, we'd go out there. That stay was tonight at the Tropicana time. as well. At the Trop? Okay. Yeah, but Flamingo's just a better spot. Right in the middle. Right in the middle, right yeah. Right in the middle. Now, the South Point is south of the Strip. It's an eight, uh, $8 Uber ride, but you got the VEASAN Studios there. If Just stop by. Yeah, no. And, uh, and, that sounds and awesome. You see... You see Chris, you see Sonny Vaccaro, you see who's who. I mean, Sonny Mus- Vaccaro. Mus- wow. Musburger yeah. walking around. I mean, he's there. He's making his bets. The studio's right off of it. It's awesome. It, it is not just because I'm friends with Chris, but just because of being there with those people. And, and it's some of the old timers that are there and the stories inside that historic venue. It's really, really cool. Plus, Chris hooks me up with the free room. Yeah, I was going to say, if he's, if he's handing that. out free rooms, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I need it. That's my new favorite casino. Let's, let's <laughs> yes. By the way, seven and a half Iowa State, I am hammering that oh, over. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, that, that's what, well, I went away from it because I didn't want, because I just was more wondering. They're getting. Yeah, the science of not, it. Right. 90% of the bets on Iowa. Right. But in Vegas, you know, the, the book's kind of even. But it's interesting because of the Wire Act, it's not one big pool. So at Prairie. It's what, going to be like nine. Because William Hill. Will have say, just let's just for instance, a million dollars on Iowa State, Texas. Right. Yeah. For sure. But there, they're million dollars, and it's split pretty evenly. Mm-hmm. But here in Iowa, there's it's going to be people are going to be hammering Iowa and Iowa State. But one hundred ninety thousand of that is so, on Iowa State, and you got to you got to make you got to you got to adjust that a little bit. And that's right. where my question came is more along the line of you just want to try to make sure that you have a shot at not getting completely destroyed, right? right. right? So so seven. If he puts seven and a half Iowa State here, yeah. dude, I'm I'm sending I'm putting the bank on right, that right on that and, over. And the funny thing is, you know, when you Chris, I, I just love him as a character, and I'll be sitting there and uh, really heavy side, and he'll finally kind of just kind of throw his hands up and say, "We'll take the bet." You know, there's nothing we can do. We'll take the bet, and that's what I know. That's do. what that's what he, he that's what he says. Just yeah. like that's that's interesting to me. Yeah, that's an interesting strategy. But and he's confident with his sides. He's confident right. in, in his numbers that he makes. The the people that he has hired to make those numbers, and though yeah, let's gamble. Well, and, and at the at the same time, it, you're gonna win. The, the house does always win. You might get beat badly on one or two games, but for the most part, I mean, come on. If if you're putting if putting out lines for that many games, you're gonna be in. Decent shape to be making money regardless. But if you've seen the Iowa State schedule, Trent, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at that right now. I, I pulled it up. Seven and a half. Seven I mean, half. they they could they could win the first five and and not sweat. All right, at it's ho- a little more difficult later on. Yeah, at home against you and I, at home against Iowa, at home against Louisiana Monroe, at Baylor, and at home against TCU. That that I mean, four and one at worst, mm-hmm. very well could be five and zero. Oh. Then at West Virginia, who's not as good as they were last year, that could be six and zero. At Texas Tech, you're losing one of those games, I think. Right. At West Virginia or at Texas Tech, but then homecoming against Oklahoma State, I think you win that game. Mm-hmm. And then at Oklahoma, I'll, I'll give them an L there. Tough. At home against Texas, I'll give them an L there. Home against Kansas, you win. Mm-hmm. On the road at Kansas State, you win. That's nine and three to me. So you're on the over. Oh, I'm hammering that over. Heavy handed, two fisted. I mean, if that's not eight and a half. Like eight and a half, I'd think about. You know, what, Chris, seven and a half, I'm not thinking. You know what Chris would tell you? Let's gamble. I'm up. T- Where's the line? Kim, <laughs> not yet. Not Kim, yet. sign it already. Let's go. <laughs> we got to take a break. We're coming back talking some cyclones. Speaking of that ISU schedule, we'll get into it next. 
Dylan Motz is going to join us as we continue. Number one podcaster. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. Here you go, Emery. Let's go! So some people on Twitter were giving you a hard time yesterday about your White Sox fandom. Yeah, they're just ignorant, but that's okay. You pulled Bill right back in, though, since he liked Rush. Hey, you know what, Bill? Sometimes... You got to take the good with the bad, my man. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can't rush. be all winners. You know, progressive rock just generally, I know that it can kind of wear you out a little bit if you listen to it an awful lot, but I'm telling you, if you dig into Rush in multiple eras, I mean, they're set. You just need their library and you're set. We have a song bank of thousands of songs. Our next guest, Dylan Montz from the Ames Tribune. He pulled out a band, though, that I never heard of, and we didn't even have it in the song bank when I asked him what kind of music he likes. Dylan, what, what remind us again, what was the name of that band that you like so much? Yeah, it's the Avid Brothers. Um, they're kind of like, uh, I, I don't know, I guess the best way to describe them is they'd be like a, a folk or, or, you know, kind of yeah, grassroots type you know, type of band. So they're a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, I, they've gotten popular. I don't know if they've played Des Moines ever, but I've gone to see them a couple times. Kind of epitomizes. I mean, it works lock and stuff. You like that folksy music. And you're a folksy writer. Is that be a good characterization the way you write? You like the folksiness? Yeah, a little bit. I used oodles in a story the other day. I don't know if, that, if, that, if that's like on brand for that, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah some, somebody had pointed that out. <laughs> Love it. Well, Dylan, uh, chance to talk with Matt Campbell yesterday and uh, putting a cap on spring football. What was your biggest takeaway here as you learn more about the team this spring? Yeah, it, a lot of it was status quo, but there was a little bit of insight into some of the different positions because. You know, when I talk to you, you know, funny throughout the spring in terms of what they're kind of looking at and, and what they need to grow, offensive line obviously came up uh, a bunch yesterday. And Matt Campbell said that this is probably – they're probably getting to as close as to where they want to be, maybe as they've ever been um, since he's been at Iowa State. They've got guys that are finally getting a little bit older. Um, they've got some young guys pushing, um, you know, in Trevor Downing and Joey Ramos and Robert Hudson. It sounds like those those three have all really kind of had standout springs. And, uh, you know, the, the thing with that group is, and, and Matt even kind of alluded to it when we were talking to him, is you're, you're not going to really know the, the kind of strides that group's made until you get into the first game. So I think, um, you know, he's, he at least sounds encouraged by some of the progress that's made, but until you actually see him in a game, um, you know, kind of in the heat of things, it's hard to really know what they're they're going to look like, but that, that was at least a positive, I think, from his point of view. So, Dylan, uh, th- this team, Matt Campbell, the expectations certainly have raised, and this is going in to next season, you know, year two, bowl game. Now this past season, an Alamo Bowl and a bigger bowl game. With the Big 12 looking like Oklahoma, Texas improved certainly, but they could be right there in position. Is this the biggest expectations that Iowa State has had, I don't know, since the 1970s going into a year? Yeah, I think, um, you know, last year it felt like that was as, as big expectations as they had since then probably. And um, given what happened last season and, uh, you know, and how many guys they do have returning, I think this is probably fair to say, um, you know, they're, they're as optimistic or as highly expected to, you know, get, to, get back to the Alamo Bowl do those sorts of things as they've maybe ever been. And, um, you know, I think uh, with with Brock Purdy being back and having some apparent stability at quarterback, um, that kind of changes the dynamics, too, and the defense as solid as it's been obviously helps. But, um, 
when you kind of look around the league, you, you do have Oklahoma and Texas at the top. Oklahoma State might be pushing a little bit. Um, you know, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Kansas, Kansas State, all new coaches. So, um, you know, I think Baylor could be an improved team. So there, there are, you know, pockets where there's some unknowns. But overall, I think Iowa State is positioned as well as anybody outside of maybe those top two to kind of, um, you know, thrust themselves into a conversation and be kind of a tough out for people this year. The last couple of years have definitely been something that I've paid close attention to with, with Iowa State is just can they take the next step. And there are certain games the last couple of years that you feel like they should have won, but they couldn't quite tie a bow on it. Last year, they kind of felt like they turned a corner in that Kansas State game. I know that you know the, the loss at Texas hurt, and then, of course, a tight, tight loss in the bowl game, but... I'm looking at this schedule, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I might be getting too far ahead of myself, but it seems like but beyond Oklahoma and Texas, it is wide open for that number three spot, and Iowa State doesn't see either of them until November 9th when they go on the road to face Oklahoma. I'm not saying they're going to be undefeated going into there, but they could be a, a top 25 mainstay that season going into that game against Oklahoma. With the reps that we've been seeing for some of the young players, Brock Purdy, you know, de- defensively as well, some really good young talent. Uh, I know they have some skill positions that they have to put answers together for before then. But am I crazy to think that Iowa State could even improve their bowl situation from the Alamo Bowl last year? And I'm not saying play for a Big Twelve championship, but they, play for a Big Twelve, but maybe play for a Big Twelve championship. Yeah, I mean, it all is going to depend on what Texas ends up looking like because of the bowl selection. The Alamo Bowl is the highest outside the the New Year's Six and the college football playoffs. So if they could knock off an Oklahoma or a Texas, something like that, and get to the Big 12 championship, then they're in the conversation to kind of, you know, really have have a special season. But uh, I, I think they're, they kind of get eased into it a little bit with their schedule. They're, they play their first four out of their first five, I think, are at home. Um, with with that Baylor game being on the road, and I think that is going to be kind of a um, that that could tell us a lot maybe about the team because I think Baylor and Matt Rule have kind of added um, you know they've added some talent, kind of started to rebuild that program from when Art Briles left. Um, they they have speed on offense. They they're getting tougher on defense. So I think that could kind of go a long way in it. But uh, yeah, I think when you look at the home schedule and then kind of um, where that Texas game especially. Having them come up to Ames in November is positioned. I think that really does kind of change maybe what um, their fortunes could be. Dylan Mons, Ames Tribune. Dylan, out of time for today. We'll do it again next week. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Take care. Quick hit with Dylan Mons. Uh, before we get out of here, your alma mater, a great bowling program. Yeah, William Penn University picks up two uh, a big win against Wichita State on both the men's and women's side. Didn't win the national championships, but I'm, I'm just proud, man. The statesmen and states. Go statesmen. Ladies? Ladies statesmen, yep. Ladies statesmen. Thanks, Avery.